it's true that the all-powerful God of the universe wants to talk with us, what in the world is keeping us from talking back? All right. How you doing? All right. I'm Chip Judd, one of the pastors here, and uh, we surely welcome you guys to the worship center here, to the other venues, to the off-site campuses and the internet. We just, uh, we're honored you're here with us today. And I would like you to do a favor for me. I have someone I'd like you to help me welcome. And this is my second granddaughter. She was born Thursday. I have three children. This is my oldest up in Greenville. And uh, she was born Thursday. My wife's still up there. And uh, her name, don't get freaked out until I tell you what we're going to call her. Her name is Gertrude McCollum Bunton, and they're going to call her Trus, T-R-U-U-S, which is a Dutch name, and uh, that's the name they've chosen for her, so that's a pretty cool deal. And uh, I'm excited about what we're here to talk about this morning. Pastor Greg and the leadership decided to start you off with this opportunity to create a breakthrough for this year. How many of you could use a breakthrough in some area of your life this year? I mean, just some area where you'd like to take some ground or recover something you've lost or something of that nature. And we pick the one area that we feel like if we can make progress in this one area, it's going to give us the greatest potential for breakthrough this year. And of course, that one area is prayer. And uh, what, why are we doing this? We want to get you in the game if you're not in the game. We want to help you play the game more effectively. And we just want this area of your life to be fun, exciting, and, uh, and effective for you. A verse that I'm kind of thinking about a lot as we go into the year is from 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And I want you to notice how I read it, because I'm going to change the pronoun, I think it is. And uh, I want to encourage you to consider doing a little bit of this yourself when you read certain scriptures. But watch the way I read this. This is the confidence... I have in approaching God. In other words, I'm just going to make it personal. This is the confidence. Say confidence one time. This is the confidence I have in approaching God, the God of the universe. This is the confidence I have in approaching God. That if, say if, if I ask anything. Now, first of all, if I ask, then it says anything according to his will, he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, whatever I ask, I know that I have what I asked of him. Now, I believe faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Why do I say that? If you took that one verse and you set it with the I and the me's and you just carried it in your heart for a few weeks, I promise you, your confidence in prayer would rise. So what are we trying to accomplish with this series? We want to do two big things. We want to lower your guilt and shame in the area of prayer. How many of you agree most Christians don't feel like they're praying right? They're not praying enough. They're not praying consistently. So here's the deal. We want you to relax a little bit, chill. You'll see more about that in a second. So lower your guilt and shame and raise your confidence and boldness. That's what we're after today. So what we did was we had the video team scour the universe for examples of prayer to motivate you today. So I think, though, after you watch this video, you're going to probably feel better about your prayer life. Bless us, O oh Lord, for these thy gifts which 
We're about to receive. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. Oh, Lord. Oh, you are so big. Absolutely huge. So absolutely huge. Gosh, we're all really impressed down here, I can tell you. Gosh, we're all really impressed down here, I can tell you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of no food, I will fear no hunger. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR, as we call them. And to the republic for which it stands, and by the power invested in me, I pronounce us ready to eat. Amen. To follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. I want you to decide what's right for me. I surrender to your will. I mean, you got to admit, that's pretty good. That's the third time I've seen it. It's still funny. <clears throat> Here's the deal. What, what, why'd we do that? Relax. Take a deep breath. Is prayer important? Wow, it's important. But just relax a little bit. God is going to talk to you this morning. I believe he's going to challenge you a little bit. But here's the thing. Relax, open your heart, and we're going to talk about a couple issues, answer a few questions, and try to get your prayer life moving in the direction you need to go. But just don't be so uptight about it, all right? All right, how many of you would agree with this statement? Prayer is a call to adventure. Prayer is a call to adventure. I believe all of us are created by God to need excitement. God designed us to where we function at our best when we're alert, energized, and challenged by an adventure. We go to movies, we watch TV, we read books, we artificially raise our heart rate, tickle our sense of excitement, and get us a little squirt of adrenaline, or temporarily escape a life that doesn't engage our need for adventure. If you're a Carolina Clemson fan, the bowl games, we sat on the edge of our seat to the last moments of the game because we didn't know how it was going to turn out to just the end. How many of you have ever been to a t-ball game? They're not even keeping score. And we roar in the stands like it was the Super Bowl. We, there's something in us that needs adventure, that needs risking something. If you look at our scripture that we're building this series around, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8 says this, ask, say ask one time. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, say seek. Seek and you will find. 
knock. Say that word. Knock. knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. What an amazing thought that somehow God has connected what we receive in life, what discoveries we make in life, and what opportunities we succeed at accessing is affected by prayer. Whether we ask, whether we seek, and whether we knock. That's an adventure, folks. Here's a definition of an adventure. An adventure is a new, exciting, or unusual experience that usually involves risk. You're never going to really wrestle with prayer unless you're willing to get out in territory that's a little scary to you. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we get further into the message. But the whole idea that we need, we crave a sense of adventure. I believe there's an adventure unfolding around us right now. Part of it's in the seen realm. That's pretty adventurous. But in the unseen realm, there's a whole nother level of adventure. It's like we're walking around stooped over, and right above our heads, there's a cosmic drama unfolding, a drama in which each of us plays a critical part and from which we obtain purpose and passion. Sometimes it washes over us, and we feel its presence. Sometimes we sense it vibrating around us. There's something happening in the realm that I can't see. We brush up against it, and we want to know. We want to be involved. I believe that's God's invitation into the adventure. I believe prayer is God's invitation to partner with him in shaping culture and history. I believe you and I, through prayer, are invited by God to literally shape maybe generations to come. How do we know what could be affected? The Bible says where two or three agree touching anything, there's more than two or three in this room. What if we just took our prayer lives a little bit further this year? Do this for me one time, just that little symbol. What if you and I just took our prayer lives this much further this year? What could God do with that? And I don't say that to limit you to that, but I say that to encourage you. All it takes to start a fire is striking a match. Just that little movement, and we can move our prayers. You know, in that, that verse, Matthew 7, it's like God saying, ask, seek, knock. And here's what I hear. I dare you. I dare you. We close our services with Ephesians 3.20. And Ephesians 3.20 says that God's able to do exceedingly abundantly more, say more one time, than we could ask or imagine. You know what I want to do this year collectively together? I want us to make God break a sweat. You know what I'm saying? God's willing to do more than we can ask or imagine how about let's give the angels something to do this year? Let's go after prayer in such a way that it creates a stir. This question ought to arrest us. Is it possible that the reach and impact of heaven, the reach and impact of heaven is affected by our prayers? 
Is it possible that some way God has, scary little word here, limited himself to our prayers? That's an amazing thought. Now, prayer is cool. Prayer is exciting. Prayer is big. But you know what's crazy? Somehow, we've succeeded at making it boring. Somehow, we've succeeded at making prayer just like whatever. Prayer is one of those things we all know is really important, has virtually limitless potential, but most of us get frustrated and don't develop in this area. Or we dumb it down so far, lower our expectations so far, we hear all these confusing voices that prayer becomes just a routine, lifeless, boring expression of commitment and discipline rather than one of the most powerful, engaging parts of our lives. How many of you agree it's hard to get excited about a sport that you don't understand or an activity, a hobby that you don't understand? When I was in middle school, you know, 7th, 8th grade, this is up in Buffalo, New York, we called it junior high. But uh, a family moved in across the street, a couple houses down, and they were from Scotland. I was, like I said, about, I don't know, 8th grade, 7th, 8th, ninth grade. So about, had to be about 8th grade. And, uh, you know, they spoke with accents and uh, got to know one of the sons was right about my age. And um, he would talk about football. But it took me a little while to realize he didn't mean the same football I meant. And he pulled out a round ball, and we kicked it with our feet. And I'd reach down and pick it up and throw it at him, and he'd say, no, 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 you can't touch it with your hands. What game am I talking about? Soccer. Well, this is back in the 60s, and soccer wasn't very popular or well-known in the States. But slowly but surely, he, you know, we became really good friends, and I would go to a game with him. And honestly, I didn't enjoy the game because I didn't understand the rules. About all I knew was if you got it in the net, you got a point. That's about all I could figure out. And oh, by the way, that one guy on each end can touch the ball with his hands. The rest of them can't. And it was just like, I don't know. But it was hard to enjoy until I gained a better understanding of the rules and how to succeed at it and what skill it required. And eventually I played soccer. And uh, I love how God sneaks up on you. And I played soccer for the Citadel, which is part of what brought me down to South Carolina, meet my wonderful wife and be here with you. But the point is, until we know how to do something, it's just hard to be fruitful or successful in how to have fun in it. So one of the things I've learned over the years in the area of prayer is to take the verse that we've used, Matthew 7, 7 and 8, and I've learned to see it as three different categories of prayer or types of prayer. And what it's done over the years is it's helped me kind of create different moments in how I engage God. And I hope that'll make more sense as we talk about it. So if you look at your notes, ask, seek, and knock, and I see them each as different kinds of prayer. So let's look at ask. Ask is asking for and receiving what God has promised and already paid for. There are certain things in Scripture, salvation, healing, and other things that Jesus has already paid for and that God has promised. There are some things we don't have to wonder if it's God's will. And we can pray boldly and confidently. Now, does that mean it's automatically going to happen? I wish I could tell you that it did. But the truth is we can pray differently when we're asking for something he's already promised than we can in different areas. The second area of prayer is seek prayer. And seek is building an intimate 
conversational relationship with God. Now, here's the thing. When I'm going to ask God for things I need, I approach him differently. I kind of posture my heart differently. But when I'm going to spend time with God because I want to get to know him better, I create a different kind of a moment. I brought all this up here because this is kind of what mine would look like. Not so much the bottles of water, but I have my Bible and I have my journal. And we're going to talk Tuesday night in the Engage meeting about how I've learned to use a journal to literally hear the voice of God. And then there's a third thing that's always there. What would that be? Coffee. Because you know what? God loves coffee. And there will be coffee in heaven. Trust me. Please. <laughs> By the way, on the cup says, I don't, know, I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Now, I don't mean me, but maybe God put that there so I'd remember. I don't know. So when I want to go spend time with God for connecting with God, I, I, I would play different music, and I would create a whole different mood, if you will, than I would if I'm petitioning God for something I need. And then the third area of prayer is knocking. And I like to think of that as what we call intercession. And here's my definition, fighting with and for others who need God's help. And they might even be people that don't even know you're praying or don't even want you to pray. But you're praying for them so that they can get a breakthrough. And I believe we need to learn how to operate in all three of those realms of prayer. All right, if prayer is so amazing, what's stopping us? Why are we not as successful at this area as we really feel like we need to be? And so what I did in this next little section is I just, I didn't, you know, you could go to scripture and come up with all kinds of things. But what I tried to do was just think my own life and all my years of ministry, what have, I, what have I seen that makes it hard for us to engage prayer the way God really wants us to? So I'm going to just throw a few thoughts at you and see if some of them might be helpful to you. I hope they are. Number one, why do we have such a hard time praying? Number one, it's not natural. It, it's just obviously it's not natural. What do you mean? Well, I don't know about you, dude, but sitting in a room alone talking to the ceiling is a little bit weird. But that's kind of what prayer is. Prayer is talking to someone you can't see, working with power you can't measure to achieve results you can't control. Prayer is just kind of weird. And until you get your head around that, it's always going to be a little odd for you to deal with. Look at this scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Pretty important statement, by the way. How many of you think it's safe to say, with faith, it's possible to please God? Because anyone who comes to God, to him, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So if you're going to have an engaging prayer life, you've got to wrestle with two really, really, really important thoughts. Number one, when you go to God in prayer, he's there. Number two, he's listening and he responds. If you just chew on that, when I go to God in prayer, he's there always. He's listening and he responds. Now, does he always respond when I want, the way I want? No. But I believe he always responds. And that's wrapped up in these verses. 
I believe prayer, next statement in your notes, prayer is the ultimate act of faith and humility. I believe prayer just simply turning our attention toward God. We're making a glaring statement of faith. I believe you're there. I believe you're listening. And we're making a really powerful statement of humility. So here's an interesting thought for you to chew on. Why do we have to look so hard to find God? Is God hiding? Um, I have an interesting answer for you. But to take you there, you got to think with me for a moment. I want you to imagine before anything that we know existed. No stars, no galaxies, no us, no animals, no birds, nothing. God, before he created anything, he had a purpose in mind. You know what the purpose was? The whole thing. We're, we're arrogant enough to say this. The purpose was God in his heart wanted to create a race of beings with whom he could have a conversation. God in his heart of hearts wanted to create a race of beings with whom he could have a love relationship. Right? You agree? All right, you got to think a minute here. He, that's his dream. Here's his challenge. If I want it to be a love relationship, it can't be forced. So what does that mean? God, the end result was you and I having the privilege and honor of having a, a conversational love affair with God can't be forced. So guess what? God had to create the universe, reality, in such a way that we could ignore him. God had to create reality in such a way that we could act like he's not there. Why? It had to be voluntary. It had to be a choice of our will or it's not love. So when you or I say to ourselves, is God hiding? <coughs> Revelation 3.20 says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Now think about this for a moment. That is the ultimate expression of voluntary relationship. God's knocking on our hearts every day, but he will not kick it down. And what he's saying is, I created you to have a love relationship with me. I would be so honored if you would come and spend time with me, but I will not force myself on you. I will not force myself on you. John 1.12 says this. Pastor Greg talked about this. As many as received him, to them he gave the right, the privilege, and the honor of being a son or a daughter of God. Do you realize that even becoming one of his kids is a choice? What an awesome God we serve. So is God hiding? You know, in a funny sort of way he is. Another way prayer is not natural is, how many of you know this statement? God helps those who help themselves. Is that in the Bible anywhere? No, not anywhere in there. But it touches on another reason that prayer is kind of tricky. Look at this verse in 1 Peter chapter 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. 
I believe this, asking for help lies at the root of prayer. Asking for help lies at the root of prayer. But it doesn't come naturally to us. We kind of think, you know what, God, I got myself in this mess. I got to get myself out of it. You made your bed, lie in it. Those kind of things. Well, after you've done everything else, maybe you ought to pray. And it's just, it's just some kind of weird pride in us. Look at this next statement. I believe trying to be strong, I may actually be blocking God's power. When I try to do it myself, I might actually be blocking God's power. Here's another reason prayer is hard to get our head around. There's a learning curve. There's a learning curve. What do you mean by that? Well, it just takes some time, energy, and effort to figure out. You know, we, we, we laughed at the videos, but how many of you have ever heard somebody pray and you gave the look that Robert De Niro did? You know, you kind of cracked an eye like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Listen, practice in the shower. Practice in the car. Practice somewhere nobody can hear you. But can I please tell you something? As soon as you turn your attention toward God and try, he's thrilled. Can I give you all a little secret that I learned doing marriage seminars? Well, I really learned this in my own marriage and working with marriages. Ladies, you need to cover your ears now because I don't want you to hear this. But I'll, I'll get the guys and I'll say this to them. Guys, here's the deal. You, you got to put forth some effort to, to connect with your wife the way she wants you to and, you know, do what she has, has kind of shared with you maybe more than once that would be helpful. And here's what I say. You know what I've learned about my wife and most women? Most women reward effort the same as they do success. What do I mean? Most women, if they can just tell you tried, it doesn't have to come off perfectly. Ladies, am I right or not? Now, here's the deal, guys. God, all of you, God's that way. I don't care how fumbling you feel. I don't know much scripture. I don't, I don't know what to say. Any effort you make at prayer, any effort you make at prayer, God is thrilled just that you're trying, this, just that you're attempting to connect with him. In what area of life do you expect to start as an expert? Any area of your life that's worth anything, do you expect to start at an expert? Guess where you start in a hobby, a job, or any area of learning? You start feeling awkward. You start feeling frustrated. You start feeling like, Am I, I don't know if I'm ever, you know, you hear somebody pray. Now, not whoever, don't pick somebody, but you hear somebody pray, and you're thinking, I don't think I can pray like that. God doesn't want to listen to me pray. I promise you he wants to listen to you pray. Honestly, I prefer raw, real prayers more than polished prayers. I prefer somebody just say, you know what, God? I'm in a pickle, and I need some help. And you know what I think God says? Gotcha. Let's go to work. So you're not going to start at the top. Beverly Sills, opera singer, not that I'm into opera all that much, but I love this quote. Beverly Sills says this, there's no shortcuts to anywhere worth going. There's no shortcuts to anywhere worth going. You know who I think are going to be the most celebrated people in heaven? I believe the most celebrated people in heaven are not going to be the ones whose names we know now. I believe the most celebrated people in heaven are going to be people whose names we've never heard. And all they were was quietly, consistently, 
chipping away in prayer, hidden in their closets, hidden in their homes, will never know their names till over there. And yet they moved the ball down the field by their steady, constant, maybe not even perfect efforts at prayer. A third thing that keeps us from getting our head around prayer is, let's not forget something. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. We have an enemy on the outside, and we have an enemy on the inside. And honestly, for some of you, this could be the most important thing we say today. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, because of all that, put on the armor of God. Here's the deal, folks. Like it or not, you were born into a battle. It's a battle that's been raging for thousands of years. It's a battle that I believe one day is going to end. But there's no two ways about it. You and I go through life in a world that is at war. And most of the war, believe it or not, is in the unseen, not the seen. Now, we see stuff in our realm, but you and I are called of God to work between that realm where there's a war in this realm. We believe in a devil around here. The moment you turn yourself, you, let's say you walk out of here today and you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amp up my prayer life this year. I'm going to work at being more of a praying person. You know what, there's somebody who doesn't want you to succeed. How many of you have ever said that? How many of you have ever gone to work and said, I'm going to arrange my schedule, I'm going to get up at 6 o'clock, I'm going to do this, I'm going to... And you made it for about three days, and then your life just fell apart. I mean, in weird ways that you never saw coming. Now, I'm not saying it's always the devil, but I believe this. The devil fears praying believers more than he fears anything else in the world. You, sitting right there, you, every one of you, he fears the thought that you might walk out of here today and really decide, I'm going to learn to pray. I'm going to learn to pray. How do we know what effect we could have for generations to come by our prayers? Now, I've got some good news for you. I didn't want to hit you with that one and leave it. Look at this, 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because there's one inside of you who's greater than the one who's in the world. So here's the deal. Yeah, we have an enemy. Yes, we're in a war. But there's someone who lives inside of you that's bigger, stronger, and better than that. Now, another side to this, we have an enemy. There's also an enemy inside you. And here's the bad news. As long as you're breathing air, this enemy's never going to leave you. And here's a scripture to explain it. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. But I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh has desires that are opposed to the spirit, and the spirit has desires that are opposed to the flesh. For these are in opposition to each other, and you cannot do what you want. Now, here's the deal. Remember I said God's designed creation in such a way that you have to, you have to want to find him? Well, guess what? It never stops. Creation is designed in such a way that there is a force, kind of like gravity, 
that's always pulling you away from God. And it's not always toward evil or bad things, but it's pulling you toward distracting things so that you have to choose to go toward God. Simple example. You're sitting watching television. You're not really very engaged. You're just bored, and you're watching television. And this little voice in your heart says, why don't you come spend some time with me? Why don't you go sit and read your Bible? Now listen, what's happening in that moment? Your spirit is pursuing what it loves and nourishes on. Your flesh is pursuing what it loves and nourishes itself on. You have a choice. Now let me give you a little scripture. Romans chapter 6 says this, you are a slave of whomever you obey. You are a slave of whomever you obey. Do you realize that you can become a slave to God's spirit? How? By saying yes. Whatever you say yes to, its hold on you gets stronger. Whatever you say no to, its hold on you gets weaker. So you're sitting in that moment, and you hear that little voice that says, why don't you just come sit with me for a few moments? You know what he might even say, because he's such a gentleman? He might even say, then you can go back and watch your show. But here's what happens. You, you hit the off button, and you say yes to your spirit, and you say no to your flesh. And you know what happens? Your sensitivity to the voice of your spirit gets a little bit stronger. Your sensitivity and obedience to the voice of your flesh gets a little bit weaker. So every time you say yes to God, it strengthens your ability to be obedient more promptly, if you will. Every time you say no and say yes to your flesh, you strengthen your ability to respond to the voice of your flesh. That particular battle will never go away. All right. Where can we find God? We're sitting here today. We're, we're, we've asked. Now we're talking about seeking. Where can I find God? I want to show you a little illustration I just picked up recently in a book that I read. And to me, it really jarred me when I thought of it this way. This isn't in your notes, but I want you to write this in your notes. What I want you to do is write in your notes six zeros. Zero, 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 zero. Is that six? Write six zeros. I think you're going to like this, so write six zeros, and then at the end of the line, the right-hand side, put a one, number one. Six zeros and a one, all right? This is what it should look like, six zeros and a one, all right? Now, I want you to imagine a dollar sign on the front end. How many of you would just get really excited? I mean, a buck, right? All right, below that line... Write six zeros again. Six zeros. One, two, three, four, five, six. On the left-hand side, in the front, put a one. It should look like this. Now imagine, or write on your paper, a dollar sign. How many of you are a little bit more excited? What did we do? We moved one thing. And it affected the value of everything else. 
When God's not in his proper place, everything else's value goes down. When God's in his proper place, the value of everything in our life comes up. So where do you find God? Maybe before we ask that, answer that, let's ask this. When do I find God? And that's when I put him first. Maybe even literally. What if you started your day where God gets the first moments of your day? Three, four, seven, ten. I don't know. What if he gets those first little morsels of your day and it affected the rest of the zeros of your day? All right, where can I find God? Engage God with others. Preaching to the choir a little bit. Guess what? You're here today. You made a decision to engage God in the midst of other people who want to engage God. That is awesome. Make it a habit. Make it a regular part of your life. But go beyond just the weekend. Find a small group. We're going to start a series in February called Making Room. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. And honestly, the goal behind that thing is just to birth opportunities for you to connect. We're going to, we're going to start small groups all over this community. And we want you to get on board, man. We want you to get around some people that you can take your mask off. You can get real. You can be vulnerable. You can have fun. You can laugh. You can cry. You can win some battles and lose some battles, but never be alone. So please try to do that. Engage God with others. Ladies, my goodness, man, less than two weeks from now, chosen, less than two weeks, this room's going to be full of wild, God-seeking women. Guys, don't come anywhere near the place. It's going to be awesome. Ladies, please sign up. You're going to have such a good time. Great speakers. You're going to have such a good time. The second way, where do we find God? Is engage God through his book, through the Bible. I believe this book is the most reliable connection you have with God. This book will never lie to you. This book will never lead you astray. I like to tell people this. When you want to hear God's voice, open his mouth. When you want to hear God's voice, open his mouth. Now, I would like to encourage you to do something. Don't just read the Bible. Listen to it. Listen to it. Why? Because this book will talk to you. This book will talk to you and, and challenge you and direct you. A third way, where do we find God? Engage God through various expressions of prayer. Now, what do I mean by that? <clears throat> I'm talking to some people that I hope are going to pray for the next week, month, year, decade, the rest of your life. So we're talking about a multi-decade journey of prayer. Don't get stuck in a rut. Don't get stuck praying the same way all the time. Now, there's nothing wrong with that for a while while you're kind of learning this stuff. But don't get stuck in one way of praying. If you pray quietly all the time, get with some people that get a little more excited than that. If you pray excited all the time, get with some people that know how to be quiet. If you pray kind of freewheeling, get with some people that have a little bit more structure. In other words, Variety just kind of keeps it interesting, and you never know how you might learn something that really enlarges your experience. 
Tuesday nights, it's already been mentioned, we're going to do, just during the fast, we're going to do this thing we call engage, and we're going to take the topics of prayer, ask, seek, and knock. This Tuesday, we're talking about seek. We're going to talk about how to hear the voice of God. Did want to say to the campuses that Columbia and Asheville are going to do their engage on Wednesday night, not Tuesday night. So if you're in the Columbia or Asheville area, you might want to, also it's going to be online, but you might want to check that out up in that area. But what's the whole engage idea about? Find God seekers and seek with them. Find other people that are hungry about God and just get around them, hang out with them. And then my last thought, practice being aware of his presence all throughout your day. Just practice being aware of the presence of God all throughout your day. Let me give you one last one-liner. God becomes visible to those who look for him. God becomes visible to those who look for him. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the awesome privilege, the honor of standing before this wonderful group of people. And God, I know there's challenging stuff going on in our lives. I can think of stuff in my own life, my own family, areas of my own kids that I want to see breakthroughs in. God, I've already talked to some people this morning that, that are facing difficult things and they really, really, really need you to come through. Well, God, I pray that collectively, as we engage you in prayer, we're going to see breakthrough. We're going to see breakthrough. So, sir, I would just ask you, please, that you would meet each of us where we are. No, no false masks or presumption, but just... Meet us where we are and help us to take our prayer lives just a little bit further as we go into this year. And we thank you for it, sir. In Jesus' name, amen.